Welcome to the In The Money Podcast. This is our show for Thursday, May 26th. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, back with you from the Brooklyn Bunker, once again, surrounded by some new toys. I've got the exciting boombox back there. We're going to talk about that on some subsequent shows. I've got this fresh shirt. It's almost as cool as a JK shirt. Do you know Do you know the significance? Well, I'll ask you, first I'll introduce you, then I'm going to ask you if you know the significance of this shirt. The man I'm going to bring in to kick off the show with me is a man you see on these airwaves all the time. We haven't had him on yet to talk about uh, what happened in the Preakness Stakes. We'll get to that. We're also going to talk about his, uh, his little side project he's been working on this week, as well as the stated purpose of the visit to look ahead to the Belmont Stakes. He is uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Jonathan Kinchin. What's up, JK? What's going on? Yeah, is that, is that Star Wars? It is a Star Wars shirt, but it's even more specific than that. It's the pattern of, and this is, you know, this is our, our 10-year generation gap, nine-year actually, uh, generation gap. This was the design of the first Star Wars bedsheets um, that I had oh. as a kid that I, I got in, you know, 1977 or whatever. And, uh, and so wait, as soon as I saw it, I was like, yeah, we're going to get that because... The other significance of it is, and you'll appreciate this. So Perrin's totally into Star Wars. May 4th, when you work in horse racing, May 4th, the Star Wars holiday, may the 4th be with you. A little bit of a problem because it can be derby week, uh, depending on when the derby falls, which it was this year. She was mad at me when I told her I wasn't going to be around. She was doubly mad at me when I described the parade that I witnessed in downtown Lexington with a girl around her age uh, carrying around a replica of Kylo Ren's lightsaber. She wasn't happy about that. So I told her, look, End of the month, Star Wars celebration is happening. They're going to be dropping two episodes of the new Kenobi show. We're going to do our own daddy-daughter makeup Star Wars day. That's tomorrow. That's why we're recording all this stuff early. But I figured I'd, bring, I'd give the shirt a little test run. What do you think? It makes sense. It makes total sense. <laughs> the things we have to do in horse racing sometimes when we have small children. Yeah, I tell you what, uh, uh, Halloween's always tough too. Breeders' Cup. Yeah, 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 that's a horrible conflict that we face uh, in this. Not, not that we want you to get out the world's smallest violin, given all the fun world traveling we get to do, watching horses run around in circles. But it does come with a price. Speaking of traveling, you're, you're clearly back at the uh, Casa Rojo at the moment. But uh, you had some interesting little uh, couple of days early in the week at the sale. Now, I know you're going to talk about it in great detail on the owner's box with Billy and Michelle. So we can leave people there for the deep dive. But just give us the quick uh, iteration. Did you did you come away? What was the project about? Did you come away with anything? Yeah. You know, Faisa Tipton, Boyd Browning and, and Evan Ferraro kind of approached me about doing some different things uh, throughout the year with, with them. And one of the ideas we came up with is kind of a documentary of, of JK buying his first horse and, and, um, and, and letting that be, you know, obviously kind of fun and education. I mean, fun and interesting just to kind of see behind the scenes, but also to be educational. Like this is the process. This is what you have to do. Here are the pitfalls. Here are the things that, you know, here are the steps and, um, and, and so we teamed up with the Hennigan brothers and who, who obviously have done some really fun and cool stuff in racing. And, and we, and, and I teamed up with, with Maddie and Jake, Maddie, Matt Miller and Jake Ballas at black type. And we decided to, to find a couple of horses. And so, um, day one, we didn't get any day two. We did get a couple. So we have a, a Mosler Colt 
that we got for 165,000 and a Malibu moon Philly we got for 500,000 and, and both will be going to, uh, to George Weaver and, and they'll be in Saratoga and hopefully they'll run the summer. That's fantastic. Yeah. The two-year-old in training sale, the plan is sounds like both of those, the angle from two-year-old in training sales for folks that don't know, um, you know, this is one we've talked about. Oh my, we talked about this for 20 years, going back to the zero shows with Harvey path. But when you see the horse in the two-year-old in training sale sell for a multiple of the sire's stud fee, that typically means they're fast. I'm, I'm guessing that's very much the case with both of those runners that you're involved in based on the price tags you, the, the, that I, I believe they were. Yeah, well, I mean, Mosler, I, I, I'll be honest. And I think people on this show and you especially, Pete, will know that like I have a weird – I'm not Nick Tamaro, but I have a weird memory for things when it comes to racing – and I had to Google who Mosler was when Jake mentioned <laughs> this is what we're looking at. I, Mott, I didn't know who he was. Sprinter, a Mott Sprinter. That's all I kind of remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He won. He won a couple of times going longer, but he's a he's a son of Warfront. So you know, I, there's a sneaky way I think that you're thinking you're getting some Warfront influence there. And then the Malibu Moon Philly, who who has a, a pretty strong family, um, it was good. But then the other cool thing about it is, and then we'll you know, obviously we'll move on. Is like there was good underbidders on the horses that we tried to get. That makes you feel good. For when sure. there's people that are smart that were underbidders, you know, on the Malibu Moon Philly, uh, Donato was an underbidder. Uh, on the uh, Donato Lani, of course, of, of, of fame, of all kinds of really good horses. And then Jonathan Thomas. A lot of the Baffert runners for the, for the yep. uninitiated he's picked out. Had and then Jonathan time. Thomas was, was the underbidder on the, one of the underbidders on the, uh, on the, on the uh, Mosler. So, you know, we feel good about it. I think we can relate to that from, from, you know, we're, we're not at the sales like you, JK, uh, putting up our hands. Did you physically put up your hand? Did they yeah, make yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. But yeah. There'll be a fun little, there's a fun little thing in there. Me trying to figure out how I was going to do it. I wanted to wear sunglasses and go like this, but everyone told me I shouldn't. So I did something different. <laughs> I think that was probably wise. Let's not reinvent the wheel. But when you're in your fantasy auction, you know, there's that, that one guy who finishes last every year. And when you're in the bidding war with him at the end and, you know, he's a Red Sox fan and you're, you're bidding on Trevor's story, you're like, oh my God, what am I doing? Whereas, you know, the sharp person that, that uh, finishes in the top three every year, you, you, you're, you're okay ending up with the, in the bidding war with them and you think you might be on the right track. All right, yeah. let's talk about horse racing. Not, uh, you know, horse racing, like in terms of not what's going to happen this summer, but what's happening right now and going to be happening in the next few weeks. Let's actually start by looking forward to the Belmont Stakes if only because that's what the neat little Tyler, uh, neat little uh, title card that Tyler designed says. Belmont Stakes, early thoughts on this race. Obviously, the headliner is Rich Strike. You have been on record as being, I'm just going to say, a little cynical. I'll, 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 I'll soft pedal it and say you've been a little cynical about the horse's chances. As this race now is taking shape, as we see that we're not going to have Epicenter, we'll get to him in a bit, we're not going to have early voting, uh, we're not going to have various runners show up, are you any more enthused about Rich Strike's chances to back up that miracle run in the Derby, or are you still, to use your words, cutting in line to bet against him? No, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, will, I will officially be cutting in line to bet against <laughs> Rich Strike. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I, do, I think Mo Donegal will probably be favored. Don't you think the same or it's so interesting. I, I would have said yes. I would have said yes, but I wonder if all the attendant hype on rich strike, I don't think he's going to be any kind of price. Let's put it that way. I think he'll be, I think when you just look at their paper based on who's shown up, I think the one 
the when you look down at his paper and you see Kentucky Derby and a one at the end of the running line and every headline he's made, you know, this is a story that really resonated with not just horse racing fans, but sports fans. And I do think you'll have, you, you might see more rich strike money on his comeback race, certainly than you did with a charismatic or a mind that bird horses that were, you know, six, eight to one in their next starts. I think, you know, and I'll take a look at what's going on in the international betting. I hadn't post fail. Hadn't thought to pull that up before the show, but let me tell you a fun, a fun, rich strike strike story while you're doing that. So one day at the sale, uh, and I won't say the person's name, but I was introduced to like this kind of old timer, legendary trainer guy, right? Mm -hmm. The guy had to be 85. And you know, I walk up. Wayne Lucas. No, and, you know, I walk up and he hits me with the. He this guy might have been ninety. He hits me with the, I'll book all your bets or something like that. You know, oh, he's okay. being nice but being cheeky. Like, oh, okay, big fella. Like, all right, good to see you. How you doing? And then he starts telling stories, and it's always nice to hear you know stories from whatever. And then he asks me, which is one thing I hate more than anything, is when you ask me my opinion, and then you want to argue with me. <laughs> Why did you, you asked me. So what next time say, Hey, do you want to have a debate about this? And then I can say, no, thank you. But don't ask me. So he says, what do you think of the Derby winner? I said, he'll never win another race. And I don't feel bad because I said, there's no way this man's watching YouTube. And you haven't named him anyway. You'll tell me no, after I hope. No. And, and then he says, I said, he'll never win another race. And then he proceeds to tell me why he's one of the greatest Derby winners ever. Oof, that's a tough argument to make. And at go? no point did he take any account the, the pace, but he was just saying like how the horse, you know, how he worked out that trip and how he finished and ran down those horses with perfect trips and how he had so much energy after the race. He was trying to bite the pony and he's a good horse. He's a serious, and I, I was like, okay, okay well, I'll keep that in mind. Like, I'm not going to argue with you about it. Like, But anyway, it makes me, I, I don't, you know how I feel about wish, right? Pace dynamics, I think, are something that are very, very misunderstood. I mean, I think pace dynamics, they trump bias, they trump trips. For me, they trump everything. And that's why I, to this point, am still not super impressed with Rich Strike, who, according to the current betting, 7-1 to one for the big race, with Mo Donegal, to me, an almost unbelievable uh, listed as a 9-4 to four favorite. So between 2-1 to one and 5-2. As an anti, oh. maybe on the day, but for anti post, that's madness. I can't imagine. No, no, I would never. I would never. Yeah. But, but I think there's a reason that that's the case. A couple of reasons. One is if you want to call the Belmont for the modern trainer, who like who's a Belmont trainer? It's Todd Fletcher, right? For sure. Todd's horses run well in this race. Mo Donegal had a trip in the Derby where he was extremely wide all the way around there. He was a horse that people liked going into the Derby. Uh, and he drew the rail. So there's a million reasons why you can like Mo Donegal just for the for the four-legged animal himself. Then you take into account that you're going to have a little Todd Pletcher involved. And I and I think that's probably the reason why that horse is being is taken, you know, is being priced at that point so far. If you made me make selections, unfortunately we don't have to do this, but if you made me make Belmont selections today, he'd be no worse than my my second choice for the reasons you mentioned. Pletcher, very good at this game. This was my derby pick. And I don't think he's just some plotter. I think it's the way things have worked out. You don't think Todd Pletcher knows that he, you know, he, he don't you think he's much more likely to get the Pletcher trip three to four lengths off grinding wide than he is, you know, to be 18 lengths out of it again? Absolutely. He'll be a lot closer. And I have to say this, so I don't forget. The gentleman also told me <laughs> that Rich Strike is better than Essential Quality. 
But so, <laughs> so we're going to, uh, I just saw, I saw that. And I, anyways, look, this is one of those situations. I feel the same way about the Derby. I was wrong about it. I think there's three horses that can win. Creative Minister, I think, is an interesting horse who ran well in the Preakness, and he's a progressive type. Um, Mo Donegal. And we, the people uh, who, who ran so impressively in the Peter Pan, I think it's another one from a speed figure standpoint that, that, that is one you want to take into account. Let's talk creative minister for one more minute. Props to Sean Borman. This was his key horse in the Preakness. He came on the airwaves. He said there was no need to split the variant that day as many other figure makers did. He felt like that should have been a hundred. That opinion looks really good after he comes back and runs a hundred in running third. And then, yeah, without the top two in the race coming back. And then the other angle on him for me the, uh, that you were, you know, sort of indicating to JK the pedigree. Um, when you look at uh, creative cause and Tappet has just had a dominant run in this race. A lot of Tappet blood winning the Belmont stakes. So having that in there, I think is, I think is super duper interesting as well, as far as creative minister goes. Now, when you talk about we, the people, this is a horse I can really wear either hat on, you know, on one hand, it's this time honored path of going from the Peter Pan to the Belmont. You love the speed that the horse has, but is there some chance that he's just really dressed up one number horse off a wet track win that we're supposed to be betting against? I, I can't, I can't decide current odds four to one. I'd call it a hold. What do you, you know, obviously you well, want him in the mix if you're mentioning it was one of your three, but answer that question specifically. Well, you know, every time we have this conversation, it's, it's, it's weird for me because I don't necessarily care what their win price is. I am more concerned on these big days with which horses am I going to connect with the other races and multi-race bets. Now, I, so I know that doesn't help everyone, and I, I'm not trying to dodge the conversation, but like to me, We the People is the type of horse that you you do want to use if you're getting four to one, five to one, six to one ish. Now, the horse somehow becomes a favorite in this race. Now, I could see how maybe he, he feels like a, a horse you want to try to beat, but there is something to be said about this race. It, it does. It creates good horses that, that run well, and then it also creates horses that don't run well, right? It's like there's the freedom childs of the world who didn't run well. There's the tonalists of the world that did. And, and, and I think that's the trickiest part when you're trying to, to identify what to do in this spot. I, I think that, that at a racetrack like Belmont, on a sloppy racetrack, I trust the figures there a little bit more than I do from other places. And I just think that he probably ran fast. And I actually, there was actually a trainer, a New York trainer. It's not George Weaver because I know people know him from Georgia. It wasn't George. It was, a, it was another one that texted me after the race and said, that is the Belmont Stakes winner. Huh, interesting. And was probably the Derby winner if Rudy would have been a little bit more aggressive. Wow. I don't know what he means by that, but just to say that there's another horseman that believes that what he saw that day was, was, was real. Um, and so, you know, I, I think a lot of it has to do with draw. A lot of it has to do with the conversations of intent, things like that. Um, but also, like I said before, and I tweeted it, but let me say it on these airwaves. I've never been more wrong about anything <laughs> in my horse racing career than Flavian Pratt is good. <laughs> I'm sorry that he's not good. good. Yeah. Say he wasn't. Wasn't never been good. more wrong. He's really damn good. And, 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 and that I was wrong about that. And so I think that's a bonus that to, to have him um, on this horse.
he's the high figure horse with his 103 buyer speed figure coming out of that last race. And I agree with you. I think he's certainly interesting and in the conversation. I do. There's just some little half baked wise guy point in my brain. That's not letting me like fully embrace him, but I, but he would certainly be in the mix. We talked about the Pletcher success in the race. We talked about Donegal. I think his stable mate should she turn up here and undecided as of now, but still listed on the DRF.com website could be a little bit interesting nest who is second in the oaks to secret oath i thought she had a tricky trip in the oaks that i haven't heard many people talk about i felt like she got stuck in behind having to idle while making a move into the fast pace while secret oath had the clean perfect run on the outside but what i really like about nest is just again the blood uh, that curlin ap indy cross that's been so productive even if you say she's too slow, she's more of a mid-90s figure and you're going to need to run 100 to win this, the distance could close that gap for me. Am I nuts to be thinking about Nest? Well, I think there was a higher opinion of Malathot last year, right? And Todd made the decision for Malathot to not go. So if Todd were to make the decision for Nest to go, like I said, this is a Todd Pletcher race, I would trust Todd in that situation. Yeah. It's a good point. But I will say this as well. The one thing that kind of cancels out that logic, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way, is the fact that Micropoli does own the horse and Micropoli wants to win the Belmont Stakes. Now he owns it in partnership with Eclipse. So I don't know what the percentages are. I don't know if Michael owns 51. I don't know whatever, but it's also Eclipse is a partnership. So running in big races is good for them as well. They've, you know, they won that race with Taprit and and the past. and, And so there's a part of me that I don't want to say it's a full owner pick the spot if he sh- if she shows up, but Todd is also Todd and Todd can shut that down if he wants to. Yeah, I think um, so too. Read the tea I just leave, think if she, if she shows up and Todd is saying confident things, then I will lean. If she shows up and Todd is him hawing on some we're <laughs> taking a shot type of yeah. deal. then I would maybe lean the other way. Honestly, you have to handicap Todd on that situation with that horse. That's my, I like that. Let's talk about some of the also rants from other triple crown races who might turn up here. Barber road shows up. Uh, What's your opinion of this horse? This horse reminds me of a horse that is very dear to my heart. And that's Icebox. ice. Cause this is the biggest score I had ever had in my life on this day when Icebox was a favorite in the Belmont and everyone bet him because he came running late in that Kentucky Derby. And so everyone thinks, oh, he's going to love a mile and a half. That is not the case. Closers do not love going from the mile and a quarter to the mile and a half. It doesn't ever work. Never works. So <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't, he's going to be overbet because of that. But let's also not forget that it was one of the fastest paces we've ever seen in the Derby. And that's why he ran the way that he did. No other horse from the Arkansas Derby ran well in that race. I, he is a complete toss for me. Won't be on a ticket and I will giggle at people quietly when they tell me they like him. <laughs> he does have that tap at blood in the second generation being a son of race day. I don't really see it on pedigree though. I just think he's such a cool horse. He's such a fighter. He is one I'd love to see in random Midwestern derbies because I think what he lacks in speed figures, he makes up for in real toughness. I don't think he'll, real toughness is going to get you a classic though. He'll run second in a paceless Iowa derby. <laughs> he's, he's, he's always going to be up against it because he, because of his style. And I'm not, look, I would love to own the horse. If, 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 if this Mosler Colt or anything that the Malibu Millie, uh, Malibu moon Philly turns out to be Barbara road. Thank you so much. 
thank you so much. I'm not knocking him as an individual. I'm knocking him as a bet- betting proposition. And that's, the dip, you know, that's it. Yeah, just in here. Uh, Skippy Longstocking comes back, had that uh, he was involved in the actually subtly maybe a key player in the previous the way the pace shook out can't wait to get your take on that which we'll do in a minute or two do, do you see anything in his form or in his tape that makes you think he has a, a shot in a race like this um no not really i mean it, it's you know when you're kind of on the edge i'm looking for figures and he just consistently kind of runs the same figure every time um i did tell Safi joseph when i saw him at the sale that there's, there's a rumor going around that he has a second best hair in racing. <laughs> he, Did he, he like that he one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He laughed. He laughed. Oh, um, he, was great. he was great on the shows in Florida. I, you know, he, he, he gave us some really good stuff, just really honest insights into his training and, and his, and his charges, you know, certainly be a great story to see him. But I, I tend to agree the 94 of the Preakness, he, you know, I talked about the distance, maybe, lessening the gap and, and he does have some blood to go longer potentially but it's 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 tricky i mean i, I think your your short list was was pretty much of the one uh, there's one other horse i want to talk about before we move on there's a couple of th- horses that'll be very very big prices one who will be a story and, and uh talked about for sure will be ethereal road who won the sir barton uh last weekend uh, he had a got a 90 figure for that win you know I, I feel like he's not fast enough, but because it's Lucas, there'll be there'll be storylines. There'll be people saying, "Oh, look at how he finished at Pimlico against the bias." Blah blah blah. And and I think you know he, he's one that I'd be willing to to fade at what might still be single digit odds. I mean, not that I'm giving you a whole lot there to to make a ton of money on, but that's my thought on him. You you any more optimistic? No, I don't like him in the Sir Barton. I surely don't like him in the Belmont Stakes. No, it's fair fair enough. Let's look back to the Preakness Stakes. The big question of the day. It's been just. Uh, you know, we, we watched the race together. We had the same reaction live. We were saying, making the same kind of, oh my goodness, what's he doing comments. You know, you rewatch the tape and you can see with Joel Rosario aboard Epicenter how the pieces were in place early in that race to force his hand maybe a little bit. I'm not, I'm not as, conv- at first I thought it was a tactical decision that I went around describing as was too clever by half. But when you watch the tape and see him break slow and see the horse come over on him, I, I'm, I'm more understanding of it. I, I still want to point out something that I think was probably a, a pretty clear mistake on the day. But I'm curious where you are right now. Was it a bad ride aboard Epicenter? Yeah, we used to do this on the old show, I feel like, all the time. So what I want you guys to do right now is press pause and then hit <laughs> Command T if you have a map. You'll get a new window. Go to YouTube and watch the 2021 Kentucky Oaks. And watch what Johnny Velasquez does on Malathot. It's my opinion, and I'm very happy for Chad and Jose. If, it's my opinion that if Rosario would have done what Johnny did on Malathot in the Kentucky Oaks, then he would have been right there at, at the finish you know, with a chance to, to run by him. I get it. The horse broke a little bit slow, but you're on the best horse who has tactical speed, who's wired derby preps, who is close enough to a very fast pace in the, belt, in, the, in, the in the Kentucky Derby, Stay after him and stay forward. Stay into that position. That's his weapon. He's a 12-second furlong horse. 12 seconds, 12s, 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 12s. But you, when, you, when, you, when you have him go 13 and a half, 13 and a half, now you've taken away his weapon. And he still finished like a good horse because he had a good trip. He did save ground on both turns, and that's fine. 
but he was never going to run by a fast horse like early voting that didn't have a tough trip. And, and so for me, but th this is something I think you get with Joel sometimes. And, and I, I think Joel does a phenomenal job when he does a phenomenal job, but there's an occasion and it's all of them. I'm not just saying Joel, but it feels like it's Joel more often than not that more than the others you get that. What, what are we doing thing? And you could see that in Steve's quotes. Steve did not like he where was he furious. was. He was furious. He did not like it. He didn't like it. And, and I just felt like Joel should have stayed with him and put him into the race, despite the fact that he broke a little bit slow. But instead, I think Joel conceded, tucked him into the rail, and maybe was overconfident. I, I don't know. I, I just um, – I, I wanted him to be a little bit more aggressive in that spot. He rode him like a eight to one shot in a race that he expected to have a lot of pace. And he was a three to five shot in a race that didn't have pace. And this wow. notion, and smart people think this. So I'm not, you know, Nick Tamaro has intimated on Twitter. He thinks it was a, a fast pace. I just don't really see it. Um, you know, yeah, there was a time coded red fraction um, in the race, but I think that was largely the effect of a no hoper setting the pace. And then yeah. I don't I don't know if it's appropriate to name figure makers or not. I haven't asked them permission to give this info, but two professional figure makers I know had the race slow, and uh, Jake Jacobs of Racing Flow had it neutral. So, you know, I, I think, think they could have gotten away with pushing wide and getting up into the vanguard. It's not like you'd have been going into some suicidal pace five wide into the first turn, which I think right. you know some of the Rosario defenders are saying would would be what would have happened. I saw your tweet about fake fast. And I, I, I like it because I think that I, I don't care what the leader went. I care what early voting went. Right. Right. Cause that was the horse that was, that, that's what mattered. And Jose rode that horse brilliantly. Right. I don't think Jose moved too early. I don't think, I think Jose just rode the horse the right way. Um, and so anyways, I, 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 I think it was a mistake ride. Um, I make mistakes every day, so I'm not knocking Joel. But if we're going to analyze the horse, the performance, and the race, I think it was a. I think, I think he he made a mistake, and that happens. I think the bigger mistake, if there was one, might have been not letting the way the track was playing maybe alter the plan a little bit. You know, maybe you warm him up aggressively for early speed energy and just do absolutely. And, and maybe he did more of this than I saw. I didn't see it, but it just it just didn't seem like he was aware of the fact that you were going to really be behind the eight ball. If you didn't, if you didn't get out of there, it seemed to me like he acted like it was no big deal. He broke a step slow and was just as happy with plan B as plan A. And on this day, the way that track was playing in that expected flow against that serious horse, who I do want to give some props to before we get out of here in early voting, you know, once he bro broke slow, you know, he was in, he was in trouble. So even if you don't give him a hard time for what happened in the gate, maybe you give him a hard time for that. I don't know. It's, I will say this, let's defend Joel for a second. Cause I feel bad. I feel like we're bashing him. And I, you know, he's one of my favorite writers. Um, Steve Asmussen, he gave those quotes. This is a, I'm going to just say it. I think he's a notoriously difficult guy to ride for. You know, he, he doesn't, he gets upset and he makes changes and he, yeah, I don't think he, I don't think he's somebody who's easy to ride for. So I think you can sort of forgive him in the emotion of a really difficult moment saying those things. The other way of looking at it is the horse has lost his tactical speed to some degree and backing up the idea that he's going off form a little bit is if, if you thought, if you thought he was the best horse and it was a bad ride and he should have won, why don't you come back in three weeks in the Belmont? Oh, well, because I don't think anyone wants to come back in the Belmont. Like it, the, it's the Belmont is 
is a tricky race because it's a mile and a half and none of these horses are bred to go that far. And there's other great opportunities and there's a Travers that, that people see over the horizon. And, 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 and I think it's, the, that race is always going to be circumstantial to who decides to run in it. You know, mm-hmm. Chad doesn't want to run his horses in the Belmont unless it's a triple crown. I think a lot of guys feel that way, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know if the horse, I mean, how could the horse, I don't think the horse could like lose a step in two weeks. It's unusual. You know? That's for sure. It'd be very, yeah, I mean, I just, it's more of a devil's I, I, advocate I, argument, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he broke a little bit slow and Joel was passive. And I, and I think that, that's okay, because I'm sure there's other times that that'll work out, but it didn't on Saturday. Fair enough. Uh, very interesting to get your thoughts on all that stuff. Really interesting. I mean, for for all the complaints by me and others about, you know, how we wish we had more of the same horses running in all three of these legs, they've all had interesting storylines and lots of things to unpack as racing fans and horse players. Uh, I'm going to let you get out of here. Uh, you're, you're over time already, JK, but you have a closing thought for us on this uh, on this segment of the show. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be Belmonts that are outstanding. There's going to be Belmonts that are that are average. There's going to be Belmonts that aren't great. It's going to happen, but I will tell you this. There's never going to be a bad Belmont Stakes card because the undercard races I'm getting really, really excited about. So look forward to talking about those over the next couple of weeks. Met Mile, you have your Met Mile horse yet? No, I just hope Flightline shows up. And, and, oh, then, and, then, and, then, and then I'm going to force myself to single either him or Speaker's Corner. <laughs> life is good is not being considered for that spot i haven't heard i, I maybe I don't, I don't even know if he's working maybe i, I don't uh i mean i hope so i think life is good's goal is the whitney so i think life is good is going to probably get a little bit more time and then show up for the whitney that's that's okay. maybe a prep for the whitney he's work uh no he has not he worked march 12th and he worked at Windstar on May 13th. So he's still at, he's still at Windstar. So no, he's not under consideration. Okay, that makes sense. I was just dreaming for a second there. Uh, where can we find you this weekend? You're going to be a um, huge yeah. weekend of racing. Yeah, I'm on Friday and Saturday and then uh, Monday. I, I'm not on Sunday, though. Friday, Saturday, right. and, and Sunday, we'll, I'll be on Friday. We'll have a special pod with uh, Nick Tamaro and Andy Serling covering those Monday races sponsored by our pals at NYTHA. So you're going to want to check that out for sure. JK, we'll be talking soon. See ya.